right, we continue this morning through our series, Promise Kept. Promise Kept. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. Uh, you know, there's great wisdom, friends, in living a life that's based on the truths of what God's Word tells us. These, these promises, these God-given promises that he, he gives us in His in his word. They, they bring us hope. They bring us comfort. They bring us peace. There's a passage that I love and I'd like to start out with in Hebrews chapter 12. It should come up on the screen for us this morning, but it's just a passage that just really encourages our heart. It tells us, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, we are coming through this season we know as Easter, and this time where we, we celebrate the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And I, and I referenced that passage this morning because as I look at it, I, I see that phrase in there where, where it says, the, the joy that was set before him. And, and what's cool about that, we were that joy. You know, he's on the cross for our sins, and, and, and he said, hey, I'm dying for you. And that was the joy that, that, that kept him going, that, that, that kept him desiring us. And, and as we read that passage, don't grow weary. Don't quit. Continue to be faithful to what God's promised us. Don't lose heart. I love the words of Jesus in John 14 where he says, I will come again, I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Friends, he, he's coming again. We can trust the promises that he gives to us. As I think of promise and, and how Webster describes promise, it says there's a declaration and assurance that one will do a particular thing and that a particular thing Will happen. And as we think of this, this event, this, this thought this morning of a promise kept and that Jesus is coming again for his church. See, as we reference this passage this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, they were in a, in a season, this church, where, where there is great concern because they weren't sure what would happen after death. It was a pagan culture, and, and much of the, the, the teaching was, you die, that's it. In fact, William Barclay, one of my favorite commentators, says this about some of the, the, the philosophies and the teachings that were taking place back in this season and when 1 Thessalonians was written. And it said, he said this in, the, in his book, once a man dies, there's no resurrection. Another uh, writer said this, there is hope for those who are alive, but for those who have died... They're without hope. And one says, once our brief light sets, there's one perpetual night throughout which we must sleep. And again, that was the culture that was feeding this church. And, and there was great concern and there was hurts. And, 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 and Paul pens him this letter. And he says, okay, here's the way it's going to be. And, and that's what we get from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. Um, and, and there's five promises I'd like us to just look at this morning as we go through this. And these promises are all based from this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the first promise that we see is this, that we have the Word of God. 
We have the word of God. From Old Testament time until now, we have the truth of what God's word tells us. Notice verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4. It says this, brothers and sisters. So again, Paul's talking to the church in Thessalonica. And I think we can fast forward that a couple thousand years and say, okay, brothers and sisters in Pleasant City, if you're a follower of Christ, do not, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And then jump down to the first part of verse 15 where it says, according to the Lord's word. That's where we get this first point this morning. According to the Lord's word, we have the word. So he's saying, hey, you're getting false information. The society around you is is pulling you in. And again, we have to be careful with that as, as we are followers of Christ here in 2021, that we don't let the culture conform us. And he's saying there, there's, there's sadness in many of your hearts because you don't have hope. But, but let me tell you, from the word of God, from the truths that, that I've experienced and what God has shown me, you have hope that heaven awaits. The follower of Christ, the one who's put their trust and in, in faith in the Lord Jesus, has hope. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 10, we read this. It says, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Hey, look at that verse for a minute with me. It says says so much because because of Jesus, because of his appearing, he's destroyed death and and he will bring immortality. In other words, uh, a, a new life, a life after death. Because of the light of the gospel, because the gospel has changed our life. And and that's exactly what we've just finished celebrating. The death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And again, we have this great hope. There's a bullet point there in your notes. It says, we have the great opportunity to look to Jesus, to his word, for complete revelation and hope concerning life after death. I don't know about you, but without the Word of God, we have no hope. And many of you have, have, have memorized much Scripture through the years of your life. And it's neat to know that the promises that God gives us throughout His Word, He'll never leave us or forsake us. He began a good work in us. He'll complete that work. He told Joshua that he would never leave him to not be afraid. And there's thousands in the Word of God promises that we hold on to and that's why it's so important that we know the word that we we have the word and that we let it live out and we and we teach it to those God puts in our circle and I know we're thankful to to have kids and grandkids that we get to share God's truth with and and God wants us to do that because he gives us hope it gives us hope there's another passage I want to point out here under this point and that is John 14 Jesus near the end of his earthly life he gave us this promise don't let your heart be troubled You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know, it's interesting. I've pretty much memorized that passage, but I've kind of memorized it more in the 
Old King James, so as I quoted, I'm, I'm quoting, okay, I have it in a different translation here, so I kind of messed that up, so that's why I had to look at my notes. Not that you probably even noticed, because you're already <laughs> leaving me. So uh, notice what it says. Uh, but but uh, the Old King James even uses the word mansions. In my father's house are many mansions. So it's kind of cool to think that my, my mansion one day might be near Rodney's. Okay, hopefully he'll cut his yard at his mansion. I'm sure he will. Uh, but again, to think about that, we have that great opportunity. I know we have some great neighbors now. But you know, when you get to heaven and your mansions are next to each other, man, that's going to be some good neighbors. I mean, they, they make the good barbecue. And uh, they really kind of keep you going there. It's good to have many neighbors that, uh, anyway, I'm using my uh, imagination, which gets me in trouble. So, but we have the Word of God, and that gives us hope. And then there's another thought here I want you to get. We don't need to fear death or the future because Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered death. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So again, don't quit. Always abound. Be faithful to what God's called us to. You know, we're, uh, many of us as the older crowd, you know, we're in our 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, 80s, 90. God wants us to finish well. He wants us to be steadfast as we continue the journey. And he reminds us of that in his word, that he's conquered death. So that's our first thought this morning. We have the word of God, that promise, that hope of the word of God. There's another thought in verses 14 and 15, and that is this, that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. For we believe, verse 14, that Jesus died, rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to God's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, what Paul does in 1 Thessalonians is something really cool. Every chapter, all five chapters, he mentions the, the resurrection of Christ. He mentions this idea of Jesus coming for his church. So he places a great emphasis here. And what he does in, in, in chapter 4 here is, don't sorrow. Like other sorrow. Now, again, we've all lost loved ones, and we sorrow for them. But knowing that we have hope that we'll see them one day, uh, it gives us great encouragement. In fact, what Paul does here, he, he refers to that idea of those who have fallen asleep. Did you get that in that phrase? They've, they've fallen asleep. And what's, what's interesting is in the Scriptures, typically when it refers to one who's asleep, it refers to a believer who has died in the Lord. So, so those who had fallen asleep, again, this isn't talking about soul sleep or anything like that. You know, this, this, this is a reference here to, to one who is a believer in Christ, who has is, who is given their life to Christ. They have, are, are, their, their, their physical body is, is asleep, and their, their soul, their spirit goes to be with the Lord. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, we're confident of this. We're pleased rather to be absent from the body will be present with the Lord. Now, there's some things I want us to see under this point, and, and, and this is important when we, when we think of this idea of, of, of the end times and the Lord coming back, this, this idea of eschatology, and that is this, that there's a teaching here of, of the imminent return of Christ. 
the imminent return of Christ. And that has to do with Christ could come at any moment. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So this eminent return of Christ, that Christ could come at any moment, is a very important understanding of what we teach here as a church here at Pleasant City. And what we gather from this section of Scripture is this, that there'll be a returning, that, that there'll be a returning in the air with, with, with other believers who are, 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 are caught up with the Lord. Uh, a reference to what we call the rapture, which we'll get to in a, in a later point. But, but Christ will come, or, or is, could come, at, at any moment. And, and then another thought under this point is this, whether we live or die as believers in Christ, we have nothing to fear because Jesus will come either with us or for us. With us or for us. There's, there's great anticipation as we, as we think of that. You know, um, my wife tells the story. She's from a family of six, six kids. And uh, she, she talks about her family quite a bit. She loves her family. I was very blessed. I'm very blessed to be married into that family. But when she was a, a little girl, I believe she was three or four years old, all the kids were ages 12 and under. And her dad, who served our country in the military, had spent a year in Vietnam. A whole year, separated from family. And uh, he, he, he was there. And, and they anticipated the return of dad. And, and one thing he did, which, which really is a, a, a neat testimony to his life, is every day he would send a, a little cassette tape uh, home to his family. And then my wife's mom would play that cassette tape at the dinner table, and he'd talk to them back and forth as they're eating dinner. Isn't that a cool story to think about? And it just gave them great anticipation and great appreciation for, for, for the fact that, that, hey, dad's coming home. My, my husband's coming home. And there was great anticipation for that, uh, for him to come home. And, and, and it's cool to think about. And you know what's really cool? I, I think of my wife's uh, family often and, the, and the, the, the love they had for each other. In fact, her dad is in a season of his life. He's 89 years old, and, and uh, dementia is taking, uh, taking over his body, which makes us sad because here's one of the sharpest people I've ever known is kind of just... You know, his, his mind's going. But, but when, when a lot of men were out doing their thing away from their family and kids, he was being faithful to, to send that letter by way of tape home every day. And there is a faithfulness to his one and only. There is a love for his, his spouse. And boy, that's such a great uh, anticipation. That's just a side note this morning. But, but again, that anticipation, that hope, of, of Jesus coming for us, that, that hope that he's coming back for us. And again, this is a, also a, a reflective, scary thought, too, because what are we doing that is faithful to the Lord as we await his return? There's a third truth to all this. Christians who are dead will rise. Christians who are dead will rise. Look at verse 16. For the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
You know, Paul was known to preach this message. In Acts 17, he, he preaches this message to, to, to the people of Athens. And some mocked him. Some accepted him. Uh, but, but again, he was faithful to preaching the message that our bodies will, will come up from the grave. And, and, and as we look at this, as we think of this, as we think of this idea of Christians who are dead will rise, believers, you and I will receive glorified bodies. Uh, the grave is, is not the end, friends. The grave is not the end. In, in, in Philippians, it says this, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. So these temporary assignments with these lowly bodies. You know, last week we uh, had the opportunity to uh, have your, our picture taken. I don't know if you took advantage of that or not, but at each of the exits at this side of the building and this side of the building, there was a, a, a neat wall that Tom Wise had built. And uh, it was a place where you could get your picture taken. So we got our picture taken, my wife and I, and that Sunday afternoon she showed us our picture. I said, man. We look like a couple of 60-year-old people in that picture, don't we? It's like, yeah. I said, man, it gets worse and worse. Not for you, of course, babe. But, you know, we, we just, we're, we're lowly bodies, yes? We're, we're lowly, you know. And, and the, the great thing about it is the scriptures teach that there will be resurrection. Now, there's another teaching in here I would like to slide in, that, that when Christ returns in the air, he calls those who are saved through faith in him. Now, for those who are saved through faith in him, we know this is as the first resurrection. Some call it the resurrection of life. Now, there's a second resurrection, too. And as we think of the events that uh, the church calendar has, there's, there's the rapture that takes place. Then there's a tribulation that we teach. And then there's a thousand-year millennium period that's taught out there. And it's during that, that second resurrection, that resurrection of judgment, that unbelievers are judged. And you don't want to be a part of that judgment. Those who are, are, are those who have rejected Christ. And, and that's when that judgment will come. So, so our hope is that you've accepted Jesus being your lead story. And, and again, thankfully, at, at a young age, being from a Christian home, I, I was able to give my life to Christ. The message of Christ was lived out in our home, and I, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I have the promise that I, I will be with him one day. I'll be part of that first resurrection, that resurrection of life. Two more promises. Stay with me. Uh, the fourth promise. Living believers will be caught up. And we referenced the rapture a few minutes ago, but, but, but in this point, let's, let's emphasize what, what Paul is telling the church. For the Lord himself, verse 16, will come down from heaven. Did you get that? The Lord himself, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And get this, we'll be with the Lord forever. So we read this section of Scripture and we see, well, here's what God's teaching. This idea of the rapture. Now, again, it's not a term we see in the Bible. 
rapture, but it's, it's a reference to this. And, and the translation, the understanding in Latin is the, the idea of rapture. And it means to be caught up, to be seized, to be carried off, to catch away speedily. And, and that's what, what, what Paul's teaching here, this idea of the rapture, that, that he's coming again, that he'll receive us to himself. John 14 again. So the rapture is a Latin term. It means to be caught up, to seize, to carry off, and then Christ will return for his own. He's coming back. For his own. And, and as we look at this, there's three unique sounds that, 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 that Paul makes mention of in this section. It's kind of cool to think about. And, and that first sound is the Lord's shout. You know, as, as people have studied this, they, they, they compare it to when there was that shout for Lazarus to come forth from the grave. Remember Lazarus? He had two sisters. What were their names? Mary and Martha. See, I, that, you know, the next gathering, they won't know that. I knew you guys would know that, so I won't even ask them. I'm kidding. Half of them will. The idea is there's a shout. There's a, there's a hey, come forth, Lazarus. And the shout is going to come from the Lord Jesus. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. This is the reference in John 11. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, the Bible tells us. So there's a, there's a shout from the Lord, and then there's a voice from the archangel, from an archangel. Now, an archangel was a higher holy angel who, who was appointed a special task. The only archangel that's named in the scripture is, is Michael. And some think it might be Michael, but we don't know for sure. But there'll be a, a voice from an archangel, and then there's going to be a trumpet sound. You know, I picture a, a trumpet being played and, and the beauty of a trumpet. But, but in first century church, the, the, the culture knew when a trumpet sounded that something big was about to take place. Some thought, or, or sometimes when a trumpet was blown, it, it meant to declare war. It, it, it meant to announce special times and, se- and seasons, to gather the people. Again, that idea of the rapture and the trumpet sounding, to announce the arrival of a great person. See how that fits? And Christ came to, and is coming to claim his bride. And you know who the bride is? The church. Believers in Jesus. You're the bride. We're the bride. And he's coming to claim us. And again, this is a big deal. It's very important that we don't just skip over this because it's an important part of what the Bible teaches for us to understand about him. Living believers will be caught up. And then there's one last point I'd like us to to make note of this morning, and that is this. There's a fifth promise, and that promise we can encourage each other. And and I say it this way because the promise we have is because of the resurrection of Jesus. So we can realize that that promise has been kept, so we have this here to encourage each other, and that's what verse 18 says. Encourage one another with these words. You see, it's hard sometimes. You know, I, I have a mom in heaven. I have a mother-in-law in heaven. I have a little two-week-old niece in heaven. I have uh, relatives. You could name many who have gone on before, who you miss. And, and there's nothing wrong with hurting and missing them, but, but it's very important that we are encouraged by this passage this morning that we have the hope of a reunion with those who have gone on before us. 
And you know, that's that first thought here. A reunion is coming, and we will be caught up with all the believers who had gone on before. Those, those precious saints that, that have gone on before. You know, it's, it's neat to be encouraging to one another. And I'll tell you, uh, there's nothing like encouragement. I, I know uh, there's a file I have in my office, and it's encouragement notes. Some of you have sent me encouraging notes. And I, I keep that file because sometimes I, I'll cry and complain, and I say, well, I just better go pull the file. So I'll pull that file just so I can be encouraged by people. And, uh, you know, this was written to me about a year ago, right after we were going, going through as a church the whole COVID stuff. And, and, and one dear saint from our church sent me this, this neat letter of encouragement. I'm not going to read it all to you. But you know what's cool? At the end of the letter, this is how, how I was encouraged and she encouraged me. She gave me scripture. She gave me scripture. In fact, the scriptures were in 2 Thessalonians. And they said this, now may our God... Jesus himself and God the Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Comfort your hearts. May the God of peace give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Isn't that cool? And again, there's nothing like encouragement. Now, I get these letters sometimes that aren't encouragement. I just throw those away. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'm hearing from them again. So. Anyway. But I'll save them. So you send me a nice encouragement note, you know, and I'll just stick it in my file. And uh, anyway, uh, but, but there's that reunion of, of believers. We have that opportunity. Heaven. Heaven. You know, uh, this is something I've shared at different times at funerals. But you know, in heaven, uh, we'll have no loneliness. I know at times we get lonely. We miss people. We, there, there's separations. There's, there's, you just get lonely. But you know, there's no loneliness in heaven. Listen to what the last book of the Bible says. Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. No loneliness. God's going to be with us. There's going to be a personal, an eternal relationship with God the Father. We'll never be alone again. There's no tears in heaven. There's no tears. Revelation 21.4 says, God's going to wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things are passed away. Revelation 21.5, there's no tears. You know what's cool? No aging in heaven. We, we won't be getting old. Okay, and I know that because of 21 verse 5. It says, behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Revelation 21 5. There, there's no aging in heaven. You know, some people define aging with, with the letter B. Baldness. <laughs> Bulges. Bifocals. When I look at you through the bifocals, I can't see you. But through the other part, bad breath. <laughs> You're not going to have bad breath. You know, it's interesting. That's one nice thing about the masks. You know, you can't smell each other's bad breath. My, my wife tells me I can still, she can still smell my breath through my mask. I say, well, you look more than 60. Uh, <laughs> I don't say that. But you know what's cool? 
We, you know, halitosis is the fancy word in case you're wondering. That's what bad breath is. But, but you know, there won't be bad breath in heaven. Jonathan's so good, he gives me uh, his little breast sprayer. He said, hey, man, you need this. Take it. So I'll take a shot, and he'll take a shot, and then we put our mask back on. But there won't be bad breath in heaven. There won't be uh, big bellies in heaven. You know, all things will be new. No aging in heaven. That gives us comfort. That gives us hope. And then there'll be no fear in heaven. At its gates, verse 25, Revelation 21, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Hurts, rejections, aging, sickness, these things lead to fear, don't they? But we won't have that. We'll have eternity with Jesus. Friends, encourage each other with the truths of God's Word. Application, our faith in Christ, it gives us hope, it gives us promise, it gives us the fact that, hey, Jesus is coming again for his church. And boy, if we could stay faithful, if we could stay continuing to be steadfast, unmovable, work hard for Jesus, work hard until he, he comes back, and, and encourage each other with these truths. Jesus Christ was victorious over death. He's coming again, and we have hope. Live for Christ. You know, one uh, little hobby my wife and I have, we like to go to cemeteries and, 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 and walk and read, read the headstones. It kind of says a lot maybe about what, it's kind of a cheap date too, by the way. <laughs> hey, honey, let's go to McDonald's, get a Happy Meal, and we'll go uh, to the cemetery and read the headstones. So, we'll, but there's one headstone that says this, pause, my friend, as you walk by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare my friend to follow me. And then someone came along and added this, to follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. <laughs> Think about that. You know, do you know Christ? Do you know you're going the right way? Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus? He's our lead story. Follow him. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that we have the truths of your word to hold on to, to give us hope, to give us comfort. Thank you, God, that we have the access to what your words are and help us never minimize the fact that we have your word to, 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 to hold on to. So help us memorize it and learn it and let it teach us, Father. Lord, I just pray that we would not settle for things that are so temporary in this world, but seek to be followers of the Lord Jesus Help us represent you well. And Lord, I, I pray for that heart that's maybe here this morning that has never surrendered or put their faith and trust in Jesus. I pray that today, that, that it would be the day that we'd say, God, I, I, I'm sorry for my sin. I put my faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus. It is in your precious blood that has washed away my sin, and I trust you now as my Lord and Savior. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.